Welcome to the show, Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. We have Cool Keith, the hip hop legend and icon, joining me here with Mark Live, as you already know. Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Light 65, iHeartRadio. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show. How's everything going? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Thanks for having us. We in the building. Of course. Yeah. yeah, you already know. Shout out to you, Keith, and I appreciate being able to reconnect with you after all these years and doing an interview. Just when I was a rookie at St. John's University and me trying to keep pushing what you got forward as well as the real hip-hop and just learning about Mark Live's history. And we're going to get all into it, but okay. congratulations on the release of Black Elvis 2. This is the sequel to the, the classic, the iconic album in 1999 that came out, Black Elvis 2. But how, how are you guys feeling about it, the feedback, and just get, finally getting it out there and released? Uh, I think the Black Elvis too is a, you know, so dynamic. Uh, we had put it together. It came out just perfect. Um, a lot of nice people came to the table on it, you know, and we put it together with just what we had. And, like, it was just great to be a band out. We worked on it for about a month. And uh, then you had Black Elvis too. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was good. Um to to get to get back and, and, and put the second sequel together. People was waiting on it for a lot of years and, you know, the timing wasn't right, but then, you know, timing was right and, you know, me and Keith just came together and, you know, we have a good chemistry when we produce together. Like we produced like Claiborne Family, KHM together, a lot of the group albums, you know, so we have a really good chemistry how we make beats together and we just said, he's like, hey, Mark, let's let's put it together again. And we got some cool features. And Ice is an analog brother, so he's always, you know, a part of what we do. And, um, yeah, it's, a, it's great that people are responding to it the way they are. It's really good. The formula. As you went in on it, and, and I had to really go back and do my research because when your verse came in, you were going in, and I did my research on you with your album validation and working with 50 Cent, which we'll, I'll, I'll get into in a little bit. But when you came yeah. on, I was like, is this Styles P? I had to double check because <laughs> I went back and did my my research on you, and you have a, a, a whole body of work and just doing production work. And I, I even read online, I want you to fact check this. Am I correct? Are you and Cool Keith Cousins? Yeah. Okay. You guys are cousins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew Mark for a long time, so for a long, long time. And Mark moved there, you know, his father came to New York with my father and stuff. They were dancing together. And you know, Keith used to dance in my like when when I was like three years old. Keep a dance, you know, keep a come and dance at the birthday party to dance for everybody. And, you know, yeah. so it's funny because when, when me and Keith, when, 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 you know, Keith got big out in LA and then we came back to New York to do the tours, like Keith would have everybody in his mom's house. And then, you know, mm -hmm. like they would, like guys would go through the photo album and see me sitting on his dad's lap at two years old. Like, damn, Mark, like, yeah, like this is my cousin, this is my family. Like, I'm like, you know, so, but we don't talk about it a lot. It's just kind of like, you know, we just, you know, yeah. we have our, Keith has his illustrious career and he started my group Raw Breed and put me on. So, you know, so it's kind of like people who know, know. Mm -hmm. And especially being under Ice-T, learned about that history and you being the, the creator yeah. and consultant producer on Ice Loves Coco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, it was like, um, 
you know, like I, I was, I was in New York and um, a friend of mine that me and Keith both know that used to work with a Sean Miles. He called me and said, you know, I got a show concept and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get to ice and cocoa. And I was like, yeah, look, let me, we put the stuff together. And then I came up with a, I love Lucy concept, mm. you know, for E and uh, they greenlit it. It was great. It was a nice three years. Like, it was different, you know, doing TV and shit, you know, as opposed to music. But it was it was a nice experience for sure. Uh, definitely a right. breath of fresh air aside from the Kardashians. And thank God that they're off the air. But the, when we really look oh, yeah. at just your history and you guys, because with Cool Keith and even him telling me and me doing your research on it, and you producing for the original album, Keith. Now, what was the issue for people who don't know? Because I read all about it. It wasn't the there was the promotion side of things. What was the issue that Sony was really holding? Them back the original Black Elvis. Why didn't they let you drop it? Because I know you criticized the fact that you weren't getting enough promotion. But why were they holding it back? Oh uh, well, the, the, the album was that's what I made Doctor Doom. But uh, you know, the album was just on hold. It was like going through a lot of politics. Everything was finished, and you know, we had one filming finished, and I just got impatient with the release, and uh, it was a whole lot of stuff going on behind it, and really. Puffy wanted to sign me with, uh, you know, with a group, you know, that was the time when all that stuff was going on with the back and forth with Tupac and Puffy, and I, my stuff was, like, just going in the middle of that stuff, so the Elvis stuff was there, the Elvis stuff, and, you know, we were just getting too much other kind of feedback, so I was, like, kind of upset. I was, I was kind of impatient of the album being put on the shelves and, you know, so many didn't probably know what they was doing and they was trying to figure out was the urban department gonna mess with this record or was it gonna be alternative or, or rock. But when I originally did the project, it was supposed to be urban. It was like where I had marketed, but when they saw the cover, they took it to another, you know, they took it into more like a rock, rock alternative. So I didn't uh, uh, intentionally have you guys are talking to the max from the maximum i love that record the the whole album bumps I, i've tested it out whether it was just in my studio here in the car the production and just the lyrics on this album immaculate second and none it, it really is unbelievable black presley black presley i appreciate all the sports references and keith did, did you did you ever get that outfit i remember when we talked last time you wanted to get this outfit together where you had all these teams a uh, chiefs wristband jets and Giants sneakers did you ever get these out this outfit incorporated because you are one of the first people to ever wear jerseys in hip-hop uh, not really, you know, I, I just did a record one time, you know, everybody got little records they make with different little slogans or concepts. For me, I, I, I figured I'd do a record with all the football teams, like, and it was based around, you know, a girl, and it was like, what all the teams do for this girl? It was like one girl, and I put all the football teams in a coordination of what they do for the girl. Like, every team, you know, in the NFL does something for this girl. And that was the idea of the record. Like, team, the NFL supports this one chick. And 
whatever each team did was for the girl, which is in a true way nowadays, but I kind of exaggerated. Maybe a girl today go with just maybe a player on a team or something, but I had used like the whole, I did a more of a magnifying version of like the whole NFL going this one chick. Yeah. No, I, I could tell the, the Jets made you look pretty. I think that I appreciate that reference right, as be, right. being a, a huge right, Jets right, fan. Right. right, the Jets made you look pretty, whatever, you know, was so on to each other, the, 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 you know, the, the, whatever the time, whatever team, you know, one of the teams took a shot and one of them gave her money, one of the daddy, one of the, you know, one of the, you know, they did all kinds of details. The NFL took care of it. took care of them. Kindergarten adults. Yeah, because they have the two ways. A woman can take it, you know, logical, different, and a woman can take it personally. Like, oh, he's made it look like the NFL. You know, I'm one NFL. You know, I'm just a girl that's a... definitely gave us that picture go check that out black presley one of my favorites on there but i want to get into kindergarten adults because hearing the backstory about this you were supposed to be performing with said g and you had to come up with the the playlist on your own and you ended up going to perform sex style on the stage and apparently there was kids in the audience and adults were were trying to boo you and people were trying to give you the backlash here but it, it is very hypocritical because nowadays the message in hip-hop basically is it's all vulgar and you know that, but that's all there is to it where you had your own style with sex style, yeah. everything today. Yeah. It, it, it's all, especially with this new artist that's out now, sexy red. I mean, uh, unbelievable. I saw yeah. that freestyle go crazy, but it, it's, it's kind of hypocritical yeah. for them to go after you. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Like you said, it was, it was, it was during the time of COVID. It was like, uh, Orchard Beach, and you know, I had to get a show real quick because it was like 10 minutes before showtime. So I'm in the parking lot bringing up the show together. Sad just got last minute kicked out because he had an argument with security about he don't want to take the swab and this and that, and he don't have his test, uh, you know, his, his uh, certificate shows his shot, whatever. So I'm left to go do a show at the last minute and he cast out and whatever drops out, he can't get his security that beef with it. So I you know sex style ended up in the show box TV. I do sex style all the time, no problem. I did it that day and then it was some people in the audience in the front. It was like a couple of ladies looking kinda of like um, abstract looking women in the front like that. 
earrings and angles and piercings and stuff. So they started, you know, acting like they never heard curse records in their life. So I didn't know the kids was there looking like full grown people to me. So, but all day long, you know, I took it in my own hands and everybody was there about it, you know, and then it was just seeming like, okay, got enough everybody's cursing all about the world right now, like saying all kinds of records, booty, booty this and booty that. But as a textile, it was a problem. And then, and then for everybody being adults, they're going to get up and back, even though I recognize later that children was there, but I'm just looking at it like, just through that whole day, you know, I tolerated the unintelligent rap and the low-tech rap of, you know, the, just the preschool rap and, you know, cat, mat, and hat and, you know, all that stuff. I tolerated that. I didn't say nothing, you know. So I got kind of pissed off. I was like, you know, okay, we can dumb ourselves down and listen to all this stuff and as adults and nobody recognized, you know, we listening to like ABC rap, Sesame Street. <laughs> And I come up there and do an intricate curse record, I'm talking about a couple of things and stuff, textile. And I got a lot of feedback, so I got mad and made that record off. That record, like, it was, it was fun, but I got it off my chest. Like, to say, okay, y'all wanna, you know, y'all wanna say something about me cursing, but look at the kindergarten stuff that we should just take a break from, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, I get it. It, like, it was like a lot of it was like a lot of people up there from a slow, you know, they rather hear all that, you know, all the dumb down rap, and then you say something, you want to say something. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to listen to this all day. You know, like, you know, it's people that want you to listen to dumb down ABC rap all day, and then when you do something intricate, you know, they want to, you know, they want to start trying to be funny. Like you said, there's people that curse all day. There's people that rappers that talk about their body parts all day long. And if you make a record, it's like you're the only guy that ever made that kind of record. So I, I, that's why I made that song. No, it's I, perfect. I felt like, huh? It's perfect. I know when it came on, it probably bugs you out. Like a lot of people probably trip out on that record. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed when I heard it and even people online were saying how it just showed your side of the humor and just going at it and the, it's very hypocritical as I said before and it, it was definitely something that needed to be addressed and it's unfortunate that I, but I think it's an issue going through a lot of with hip-hop artists today is that they don't allow especially what happened in, in this incident with with you in that performance it's almost certain radio stations, when we look at Hot 97, the mainstream radio stations, they don't showcase that you guys have grown over time. So they put you in that box where you guys haven't evolved. Yeah. And you've evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, a lot of those events, too, some of those people are mad. It, it, it goes from artists to, to the people, too. A lot of those people are mad that you evolved. And they get mad because you're not up there doing, like, if you can't rap, like, if you don't sound like you're just in, stuck in 1973 rap, and they get mad if you sound even if you was in the 2000s. You know, they get mad if you sound like you from 19, you know, 
And it's only in hip hop. I've noticed that it's only in hip hop for some reason. Yeah, well, well, artists like rock bands don't have like they have a brand new rock band come out, but Metallica could still mix in the playlist. Uh, Corn could still be in there. Red Hot Chili Peppers. They have a brand new group come out tomorrow called you know the new rock band. New rock band of the century. They come out tomorrow. They still in the lineup with the same you know. And that's it's not going to change. Raging is machine, you know, all the rock bands going to put the new group in and mix with it all. They're not going to, they're going to mix it like a pot of gumbo. They, you know, rap is like, they got formats for people, like certain levels, you know, they separate the music, you know, they, they, they separate the music. So you got a few stations that want, want to keep it on the same level, but everybody else, separate the genres within that. They do. There's definitely th- different a, categories. Yeah. So that's what that's what that record is about too. So and I hope it sticks. I hope it stays, you know, like I said, I think it's it, it, it was people probably think I'm out of pocket for doing it, but I at this many years in music I've been making records, I don't care anymore. I, I make the record statement. Like Nobody, because nobody would never speak up about that. 
No. And that's why I salute you for doing it and boo-hoo for everyone who doesn't like it. Who cares? All Marvel is another oh, yeah. one of my favorite records on there. You you got an action figure already out there for pre-order for Black Elvis. What's the update on, on a serial? Because I, I remember hearing that back in the day you were talking with General Mills and, and these serial companies about Cool Keith Beans. Is there going to be a Black Elvis serial you, you considering getting back into that? Got a statue. Yep. No. You need your own pop Funko too. Huh? You need your own pop Funko too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to evolve into different stuff, but um, you know, it, we just have to have all coincided together. No, it did, and it goes perfectly with the product placement and just everything that you got going on. But Mark Live, I want you to really dive in here what it's like working with Keith behind the scenes because I, I say it all the time that he's an icon, he's a genius, 58 alter egos and personalities. We've seen all the work that he's done, but what's it been to work up and close and personal with him in the studio when putting, specifically in this conversation, Black Elvis 2 together? Um. Well... Like you, you have like, you know, I've worked with a lot of people, you know, over the years I, I work with, you know, I do a lot of stuff with I see over the years and a lot of different artists. Keith is, like you said, he's a genius, mm -hmm. a master at his craft. I've never seen anybody as prolific as he is. Like he's an expert at his craft. He's a magician. He's a master. He makes beats better. He, he, he can conceptualize a song on the spot. He taught me how to write on the spot. Like, one time we were on tour in Australia, and the guy said, hey, Keith, you want to come to the studio after the show? He said, Mark, let's go, let's go check it out. Man, we did a whole album in one night. Like, we did a whole record in Australia after the show. Like, we, well, it was like 7 o'clock. And I'm like, wow. Like, he's like, look, Mark, put the drums up. I'll put the bass, boom, one, boom. I'm like, wow, like, this is like, I grew up all the time, like, I, I get a beat from the producer. I take the beat home. I sit with it for a week. Ask my homie, does he like the verse? This, you know, I, I started rapping in 90, 93. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but then I learned by working with Keith closely how he just gets right to it. And 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 is always prepared for whatever situation. And um, it's like uh, I've done a lot of albums with Keith. Every time you do a record with Keith, it's another like experience, and you learn. And I'm being sincere. I'm not blowing smoke. Mm -hmm. Like you know, he's my cousin and everything. But like he he deserves to be one of the greatest. Like when he's on all these greatest rappers of all time, 50th anniversary. He deserves to be on every list like he is because he's definitely one of the greatest of all time. So, 
it's a pleasure for me. Like when he called me to do Black Elvis, I was geek because I'm like, you know, I know it's going to be a good record. I know it's going to make, it's going to be a classic. So, you know, yeah, I mean, everything you would think, and, and I, I want to disappoint people. Keith is not a crazy man. The man comes to the studio with donuts, orange juice, sober, professional. Like, he's first and last out the studio. He's just, he's Paul McCartney of rap. Like, there's no, <laughs> it's no weirdness. There's no, there's no aliens in the studio. Like, it's literally cheeseburgers, french fries, orange juice, and work. And, and that's, that's what it is. Like, you can't do what he does if you're not a professional. No. Like, I, I don't want to disappoint people. Like, Keith is crazy. He's in tank. No, he's just James Bond coming in with his attache case with Ron's and Mark, what are we doing today? And we start early. We leave when the sun is still up. And that's, that's what it is. It's just pro work. But if you're not a seasoned veteran, you can't really work with him. He's too fast. Like you'll he'll frustrate you with the, the speed of how he works and the engineer gotta be fast and everybody's gotta be at his certain level for the session to go good. Cause I've been in sessions with Keith and we're looking at each other like this is a nightmare. But we're so locked in working with each other for twenty years that you know, I, it's just a pleasure. Like, I hope you recorded this because this is really the true assessment of how this man works. So, no, it, it's recorded, it's documented, and it's going to be posted. And yeah, we're going to celebrate yeah, no, cool Keith till the end of time here because uh, you're right. When we bring up the top 50 discussions, he's got to be brought up more often. And he's really in a lane of his own, just like Tupac, Biggie's in his lane. But he kind of reminds me a lot of a, and I know he came after Cool Keith, but DMX, where DMX is never brought up in the top 10 discussions, and he should be, but he's kind of in a lane of his own. DMX, lane of his own. Cool Keith right. is in a lane of his own. No one could touch him. It, it, that's it. No. Well, like you said, you know, you got a lot of rappers that they say were great and stuff like that, but some are, some are great for what they did, but why are they great for what they are been, what they have been doing lately? It's not, none of them haven't been doing anything lately. So it's, to me, it's a different kind of judgment. Like, if you still, if you were great in the past and then you were still doing stuff great, you know, they don't have a name a to that type of quote. You know, it's just they talk about people that used to be great. Uh, they, you know, it's still probably used to be great. How can somebody, they, if they haven't made a record after the time they would be creating something that's different, you know? So, yeah, I, I think it's two different types of levels. Basically. Mm-hmm. I agree. Continuation, great. The, the longevity, you know, my friend, like, I, I don't know if Kane could make a long live the Kane part two today. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what I that know. would sound like in 2023. Like, he sounds like he's 23. He does. Like, if you don't, if you, if you drop that album out, um, Black Elvis in Oklahoma and you gave a kid, a, you gave a kid three joints, you close the doors, put the headphones on, listen to this. This and tell me what how old this guy is. Just like this guy's probably like sixteen. The shit is concepts and 
the way the record sounds sonically and how like it's just different. Like, see, I don't really me pro- professionally I, at this stage of the, of the game. As long as it's different, as long as it, it's a piece of work. Like people call Black Elvis, Keith will tell you, people call Black Elvis ten years later a classic. Like we went through hell in the beginning with the record company, it's too different. But ten years later, oh, it's a classic. And I think the same thing with all of Keith's catalog, it's like ages with fine, like fine wine. Like you can listen to the first ultra magnetic record today and it's still dope. Critical beatdown. Mm-hmm. Yep. Classic, the Four Horsemen. Age is like fine wine, like you said, and and with all the label deal and issues that that have happened in the past, and you know, Cool Keith, to me, you're the you're like the hip hop's prince because with the with the logo, Prince had to try to finagle his way out, out of deals there in the industry. But the, you changing your personas, has there been any of the younger artists that have reached out to you and hearing about your story and asked you for advice and how to figure out deals and trying to get out of them? Uh, I think they watch the live. They they don't ask. I think a lot, a lot of people got pride nowadays. They don't really ask. But like you said, a lot of groups were probably inspired by a lot of stuff I did. You know, where they this this time in these people don't want to really reveal anything that they make them feel like. Uh, I don't want Keith to know that. You know, because we have we have been a group that people been scared to acknowledge our our creative stuff and, uh, you know, our inspiration. So a lot of people don't want to say stuff like that, you know. They, they want to keep that under the hat. You know, they feel like you might be arrogant or something. It's like, you know, people see us and go, uh, I won't say nothing, keep he's probably arrogant about it. But, I mean, most of the rappers that came over me, they always got maybe another rapper they was inspired by. But I, I, I never was inspired by another rapper. I was a rapper for my own self, looking at myself as a rapper. But I listen to like I grew up on Slave and Confunction James Brown. I those records. Yeah, when, when I was small, I bought you know I gave said I gave said Joe Cocker. I bought all those records. Uh, you know, I just bought Man Drill. I bought a lot of Dad's Band. I bought a lot of all that stuff because I, I was dancing. I was listening to all those bands, you know, Confunction, Barcades, you know, Brass Construction. I, I didn't have a rapper to look up to, like, basically. I wasn't, you know, a fan of a rapper. I was fan of, I was fan of rock, like, uh, funk bands. I was in the rock and then I was fan of rock bands. I mean, funk bands. I bought so much funk records because I was dancing. So my element of me rubbing off some music, and the sounds for me making records and taking sounds all came from from inspiration. I didn't get nothing from no artists later or nothing like that. I didn't have any favorite grand mostly funk records. I didn't have jazz, I didn't have a particular producer and uh, uh, you know, I didn't have no artistic producer. You know, I didn't even listen to it. I, I didn't even listen to it, you know, like now Rogers and all that stuff and Rick James and stuff. I mean, yeah, maybe a little Rick James, but I didn't. I, I had mostly funk bands. Like I was a fan of Sky, all that, you know, all the stuff like all that group called Aura. You know, I just listened to a lot. Of, I grew up on a lot of that. I didn't have no artists to 
So now after the funk era, you know, after Ohio Flags, Heat Waves and all that, a lot of rappers looked up to me. So they always, most of the average greatest and seeds only got inspired by another rapper or something. You don't have to say it was inspired by like all those different bands. And we see how influential you've been because you were the first to wear wigs, capes, and we, we've seen what, what the impact that you've had on, on this industry. And, you know, just, just getting back to Black Elvis, too, when you were rhyming, Keith, what what actor from Star Wars did you envision buying your action figure? Uh, I was in the Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Know, the darkness of his stuff, like Darth Vader. So it's just, you know, when you listen to certain records and we did Spank Master and stuff like that still got elements of sounds. We all they were different sounds, but all those records have different sounds on them. Like all oh, these sounds but they still was kinda of funky. Like, you know, nothing nothing kind of more in the in the range of Rob Carter uh, like that. I never you know I know the sample does the best key. I think we went to all those artists from the, the CTI collection and nothing like that. I had to go around the world to find the weirdest sample or something like that. I just didn't go up in that era. My father collected all those kind of records I did, you know, and that's who I grew up with, all that stuff. I didn't grow up with an animal rapper to listen to, basically. I did and, want to um, bring up a record tonight. I'll continue. When, when Ultra came out with the big words, and then the only thing that was out was maybe like Special K and the Treasures 3, and that was that. But as far as me having a big realm of rappers to go by, that's why I didn't sound like anybody. Because I, I didn't listen. A lot of these rappers had influences from other rappers. Like you say, you got rappers that listen to each other, but they start to sound like each other. So. I didn't want to do that either, so that that's what made me stay distinctive all this time. We didn't never lock ourselves into another rapper. No. We might listen to them to see the cadence of how different they are, but most of the rappers really took the voice and the whole way of the talking and the way, you know, you still, you got rappers today that start verses off with, like Jay-Z, they'll start a verse off like, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, they'll start a verse off like they'll start a verse like Drake and you know make the same sounds and you know a lot of people you know they they, they didn't have their own identity no and, and you have it but I wanted to bring up a, a, a important record that really you were ahead of your time with this one with Sextile's Plastic World because this talks about you going at you, you not wanting to do jazz beats, calling out the mafioso rap, you getting stress depressed and going out to L.A. Little cool keeps on my tour. So you got a lot out on that record, and I don't think people bring up that record as much as they should because that's just you going at everything, the industry. That 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 There's record's crazy. Of- <laughs> yeah. What's the one that people want to keep under the hat, like? Like, I noticed in, in the world of uh, music catalog, you know, like, like Plastic World, I was talking about a lot of issues about, you know, when New York is a different city when everybody was 
hot, everybody was around, like, like Mark and all that. When you, was, when you didn't have a deal in New York, you didn't have a deal. Like, when I got signed to Capitol, everybody that made the little New York beats and the, all the stuff, they was ready with beats, but they had loads of beats. When I went to California, I was like, I want to spread out my sound and make new stuff and make sex styles and other kind of baseline beats and other other records of subject matters and stuff like that. And New York was just going standing in front of the project building with a pit bull and they had the one sound, you know. I, I wanted to expand. And so, you know, even with the, the catalog of everybody from everything we ever done in our life, musically, from the catalogs of the albums, it's a lot of stuff people swept under swept under the rug. I mean, stuff from the uh, the Four Horsemen album, Funk Your Head Up. You know, it's a lot of records from the Penicillin on Wax with Tim. It's just so many tracks, and everybody made all kinds of songs. People had this records. Everybody, you know, it's kind of a secret thing in the music business that people hated us. I was jealous of they used to catch them. They couldn't do what we was doing, but they always copied what we was doing. Mm -hmm. Like, even, you know, God bless the dead, even with, you know, Peach Fuzz and Victor Vaughn and all that stuff and all the stuff from all the way down the line to the future to, to Missy Elliott to Timberland to the Pharrells and Neptunes and all that. Just the creativity and us leading, you know, even the um the native tongues, even De La Tribe Quest, all that. So I think people were they needed so much stuff from us, but they could never acknowledge it. It was just like, I don't wanna feel like I'm on this the thing was with Ultra was like, I don't wanna feel like I'm on this group shit. And I don't wanna get on the awards and say something about it. I don't wanna get on T V and say something about it. I don't wanna get on no movie and say nothing about it. I don't want to, you know, a lot of people just couldn't acknowledge it wherever they went that they had to say thank you or uh, special thing. They didn't, so we we got immune to not looking for that uh, that acknowledgement, but people were just jealous of us, I guess. And a lot of people didn't take things real quite in the comfort zone, you know, from all the records we lashed out, everybody had this records. Everybody got over this record. Some people made this record of me. A lot of people was having this record going at each other. And that was a part of the music industry back then, the competitive part about it. But I think a lot of people took our records like forever did. Like Ultra made their records and we made ours. It's over. We shake hands. You got other groups that made this record about each other and soloists and going back and forth and Modi and all back and forth and this and run DMC, this and you know, all kinds of back and forth since the rock fans and all that. But I'm just saying KRS, the bridges over this and that. But I was just saying with us, plucking cards and you know, with Tim and and the just all kinds of records and just us and I think a lot of people, even with the critical beatdown cover, how we had the cover with the Adidas on the floor and stuff. You know, people took our humor personal for years as you got grown men today that can't get over it. Like, 
okay, it was music. It was a part of music. It's like battle. It was supposed to be competitive, but they took it so personal. Like a lot of groups got over it, and they still play those records, but they still had like yo know, put a. It's like when you look at the newspaper, you put that little. Uh, green ink pen to show where you was reading that again. They put that over Ultra. Like, yo, this group, you gotta remember that they did a lot of shit that nobody could duplicate. They they did a lot of disses. They did records. They answered people back. We was all around the board. Answer back, this, making distinctive beats, making new shit. Uh, you know, looking nice. Me and said, was never a bad looking group. You know, Ultra, you wore clothes, you wore the Star Trek glasses, the Gucci stuff, the same stuff. A lot of people just was jealous of us, at the same time liking us, at the same time. Mm-hmm. That, that was the hardest thing to do, to have everybody like you, and they was jealous of you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and the yeah. impact, yeah, the impact it has shown to this day when we have people like legends like Eminem, Cool Keith, and Cool Keith on the Monster, and then I know the whole story. You see an Eminem in, in Tech Studio, him, he just came out and looked at you, didn't say anything, but he, I wonder if he remembers that moment of seeing you back then, and just you know, because that, that's that's a legendary well, I, story. I saw, Eminem, I, I saw Eminem, but I I never knew who he was. Mm-hmm. I, I was like. You know, I didn't disrespect him or not. I just never knew who he was. He was there, and Money D came with him. He was talking to Money and telling him he got some stuff that he's coming out soon and all that. And he was at Tech House, I think, just working on something. You know, I think I went over there with Cutmaster Kurt to pick up something from Tech. I think Kurt went to take Tech something, some vinyl or something, or he went to pick up something. something I rode with, I think I rode with him. He's like, he went around me on the text. And um and went in there and this was quiet guy in there. He's walking around talking to money. And I didn't say I was just there chilling quietly because I d I don't know who was who. And Eminem was there. And it was I looked at him and he looked at me and he was like, Yeah, you know, he didn't talk to me. He, he was more kinda cool. He was more looking more like, I'm not gonna bother y'all, y'all having a meeting or something. He went in the back room. He came out for a little quick minute sometimes. But you could tell him, but he wasn't even blowing up Eminem at that moment. He was just there, like, looking. Like, he didn't look, you know, like, you know, he wasn't excited. He was just more looking like, you know, I'm up here working on something. I'm waiting for my time to get to get ready to blow up or something. Like, he did, I, it, it wasn't even no direction of him blowing up. It was more like, I'm okay just working on my stuff. Hopefully I get some shit to jump, you know. He, it could have been a hit or miss. It could have been he was out there. And he didn't have nothing. He just came out for a little while, make a record, and he went back to Detroit or something. But it, it worked for him. So he came out there and became the biggest sensation. So yeah. I was like, that was a story to see. Eminem in his rare form. Like, no rapper would never probably see that. Like, Eminem in his, in his, prime, in his prime time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it, it's you know unheard. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the imaging yeah. because imaging plays a lot in, into hip hop and music as a whole, and just who Cool Keith is and Ultra Magnetic is. I, when I interviewed Dapper Dan, we got into the albums that he designed, and he, he was styling for you. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, now say that again. With Dapper Dan, he was styling for you, especially because everyone know recognizes the outfits from the Critical Beatdown. Uh, yeah. Well, Dapper Dan made this stuff for for Ultra, for Ultra, and uh, the first stuff we was wearing, which was nice. Um, we we just um had the clothes, but like you said. Uh, a lot of people was just more jealous of us because mm-hmm. we didn't go out to every show and party. We just do our shows. We didn't come out to everything. Like people was just jealous that we was different. Like we threw a monkey wrench by making distinctive beats. We had a different dress code. I think what it was too, we didn't follow a lot of trends. We didn't fall into the trend of, I think a lot of people had a trend where they had like that certain element of rap, like whereas everybody was failing to either use with De La Soul, Jungle Brothers, Tribe Core Quest, you know, uh, what was the Peach for, what was their name? KMD. Zev Love X, what was it? KMD. Yeah, so Zev Love X. not in that group. Yeah, we they was in one element of they hang out together, then it was if you there wasn't in the Slick Rick, Salt and Pepper, Eric B, Rakim, Public Enemy, and Houdini, LL, blah, blah. So everybody had a click. Def Jam had a click. We was kind of like neutral towards everything. I think that was a problem. We didn't have no sides. We wasn't in, in no team. So people, a lot of people swarmed together with those entities so we was like kind of an outcast we was the original outcast not the outcast from Atlanta we was the original outcast that's probably where outcast originally got the name from Yeah, and you it went by 4,000 back in the day out. yeah we was the out we was out we was the outcast back in our time we was outcast we the original outcast is like you said, outcast. You, you're not in cast. We was outcast. So that's what happened. I think that we didn't, we didn't have no, uh, we didn't fall into an entity of of a group of of a roundabout group table. We didn't fall into a group. You know, like 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 Puffy had the locks, Lil Kim, Biggie. Um, you know, a lot of people had clicks. We never had a click. It was just us, us, and maybe said produced him. That was it, right, right, Mark? Yeah, yeah. It was just us and Tim, and and Boogie Down Productions was like maybe was the maybe trade off that left us. But Scott, if he was living, he would have probably originally Ultra Magnetic and. Boogie Down Productions was supposed to be having a deal before Scott got killed. We was supposed to probably get a production deal. We always going to be our entity was KRS, me, Solo, Boogie Down Productions together, Ultra Magnetic together, me, Solo, Tim, and then said would have probably continued on producing like MF911, the X-Men, maybe Mark and whatever. It was, 
Yeah. We never had wow. the Bronx never really had a clique. We only had two groups. We only had Ultra Tim and Boogie Down Productions and Boogie Down Productions kinda went with with Red Alert and that was it. Like I think the soul we like we were the outcasts of the golden age and, and Boogie Down Productions kinda lost direction after Scott LaRock had got killed. And then KRS just probably just went his own way, and that was that. But I think I think a lot of people were just jealous of our independent power as a group, like for what we for what we put on the table. From just you know, a lot of those groups all had to do. They they were together. They had to make it. They had to do it all together. Mm. And we did it. And we did it more by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You were independent, even though you did have these yeah, record labels with deals in here, but they, these deals didn't work out. So you were independent at the same time, even before, because you had to learn to press up your, your records. Over 500 records I was hearing early on here with ego tripping. So you, you guys were basically independent within the system, even when you had a deal. Yeah, we were independent. We didn't have no. Only time we started getting into conglomerate support is when we signed with Uptown mm-hmm. and that was Heavy D and that still wasn't us. That was Heavy D and Eddie F. that was, um, you know, Vanessa Sequist, Eddie F and, and Guy and all that. that. That still didn't match us. We still was an outcast. So I think a lot of people was just jealous of us because of, of the outcast. Like that group doesn't belong to no cliche clique. And that was that, and they were still powerful. So, and that that carried a long way in our career too. We was never an outcast, and we didn't jump on nobody's shit. We didn't go to none of those other parties, all those all those cliche clicks stayed in their lane. We didn't, you know, and that was it. And we was we we stuck out amongst all those clicks too. Like so, you know, I think a lot of people were mad because. We not in. We wasn't in stuff like that because I was dancing. Then I switched to the group. So me and said we didn't have time to get with no clip really because it happened on ego tripping and blew up so fast that you know a lot of those groups had time to click up because they were all looking for deals together. They was all touring together. They was doing the fresh fest together. You know they was doing the native tongue together. And then they you know when they all went in cahoots. It, it, they kind of went into separation. Like, if you wasn't with that, or you're not in that side, you're not in this side. It's like you was an outcast. So we 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 are we were the original outcasts. And and it brought it brought certain it brought certain feelings to people like yo they by themselves and they distinctive, they dress, they still you know. It was different because we didn't join in no, we didn't join in no clicks and no, we didn't, you know, how that looked. Ultra magnetic is in the native tongues, you know. It wasn't like that, but you know, we respected everybody. But I think it was a lot of that also. Mm. We never, we never was clicked up. No, and clicking means you stick together forever. Like okay, yeah, it is forever. You're in the game forever. All right. They, they still are outcasts. Don't put them in that. Don't put them. They was always outcasts. Don't put them in that. Put you know. Put whoever was down with us all from the beginning. 
keep that going. Keep you know, <laughs> it's like the personal, personal shit. You know, very personal. Especially with, with with your song placement, because it, I I hear your music in a, a lot of different TV. I heard your make up your mind in the wire. I was in Hot Topic recently. It's been over a year since I've been there. I go there for my hip hop tees. Blue Flowers was played. So mm-hmm. as far as all the icons and real hip hop legends in this game, you do get the recognition yeah. in, in popular media and just being out at the store. Blue Flowers. I, I couldn't even believe when I heard that at Hot Topic. Yeah, well, you heard it in the, in, the, in the movie. Yeah, in the I heard it in the wire. In Hot Yeah, Hot Topic, the, the store, like in the mall where they sell graphic. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, a gothic. Yeah. It's where gothic people go yeah. to shop. But I go there for my hip hop tees, and yeah. I heard Blue Flowers being yeah, played there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like you said, now you know you got a continuation for the last thirty years, forty years of the same stuff, like all, all those, a lot of groups in the past continue with the same form, continue with that same formula for shows. The world got kind of brainwashed with the same lineups. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing different. You're, you're not going to see too much of a different lineup with like, when would you see a show with Showbiz and AG, uh, Ultra Magnetic, Diamond D, KRS One, uh, you know, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, like just just on that whole set by itself. You're not gonna see that because they never let that happen. So it's like all around the world in in, in that in that whole that whole scenario, they program that same show. That same continuous show, yeah. That supposed to be same hip hop, the same shows, the same lineup. You know, it's it's never been a different lineup at all. Like, mm-hmm. no. which is unfair to hip hop because the world. You know, we I love the group, I love all the groups, but they're the same groups that perform everything everywhere. Same thing, same. You know what I'm saying? Like. Rock bands don't do that. They switch it up. You see Metallica do a tour with, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers switch up. You know, they'll do Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica, and Green Day. And then somebody else will do Pearl Jam. uh, Pearl Jam with uh, maybe, say, uh, Corn and maybe... Dolly Parton is opening. Uh, you know, they'll switch up something. They'll, mm-hmm. you know, with rap, it's the same lineup all the time, yeah. constantly. The same lineup. Like, they don't have no other lineup. No. And you switch it up. It's yeah, something that's so complimentary with, with Black no, Elvis. You know I mean, since, since, since the Fresh Fest, it's just been the same lineup. Like, mm. You're That's right. It's the same lineup. Like it's it's like a brainwash lineup. Like yeah. And it, and it's it's sort of political kind of like same lineup. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, it is. And Mark, I wanted you yeah, to touch on this. With, huh? And Mark, I wanted you to touch on this with Black Elvis too. Just staying because you, this is why it's so important when you see that 
rappers will go out there and make a sequel to their classic albums. You stayed on point even with the tracks that were on the first Black Elvis because Clifton's Revenge, this was the continuation from the first one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we tried to stay on, we tried to stay on theme and like we, we were really cognizant of like what we did on Black Elvis like sonically. So, and we just like, we, you know, every, you know, the machines are better the sampling's better, the keyboards are better. So we just kind of like, it's like an updated version of the first one, you know, and with, you know, with a lot more of Keith, you know, doing what he does best. But yeah, we were definitely cognizant of keeping the themes there and um, and and keeping the, the sequel theme. And I was really... I love the artwork that they did. Oh, it's incredible. Like, yeah. I was like, I, how the fuck did they find the same grid as the first album cover? Like, I don't know where the label did, but that was the artwork, you know, is great for this album. So, you know, yeah, no, everything it, is kind of on par for me. It ages. And, and even just revisiting yeah. the, the original Black Elvis, because my, my favorite track on the first one is I Don't Play and just analyze me through my records like a Michael Jackson. Keith, you saw Michael Jackson <laughs> at an IHOP, I heard. And he was there with his four bodyguards. I was doing my research. You saw Michael Jackson out in L.A. at an uh, IHOP. Yeah. I, I saw Michael Jackson and right on IHOP on Santa Monica. I, uh, I, I remember me, Bobito, and Stretch Armstrong and Cutmaster Kurt went in the IHOP to eat, and we were sitting down, getting order some French toast and breakfast. And I looked through at the door, and I looked, and I said, "Hold on!" I thought I thought it was like a clone or somebody just, you know, Hollywood. But I said, "That's Michael Jackson right there," and he came through the door with like Secret Service men. And I asked the waiter, and she had said, "Oh, he comes here all the time." Wow! And um, and I said, "What do you order?" She said, "Like, I think he orders just French toast a lot." And I was like, "And that's what I order." And, and that's what I order when I go to strawberry French toast. She said the same thing. She said he orders the strawberry French toast, and and I because I asked the, the, one of the waiters, I said, "What does he order?" Macaulay Culkin, 
Tara Reid, Donald Faison, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller, Melissa Joan Hart, um, shit. Macaulay Culkin was in my lunchroom every day. Um, yeah, all the, um, Dash Mihawk, um, yeah, yeah, like Robert De Niro went there when he was a kid, right? Wow. I don't even know how the fuck I got in. I tripped, I, I got in there lucky, and my mom said, look, you've been, because I was working with KRS-One on radio song remix for R.E.M. Okay. Back in the days mm-hmm. with my first producer. And I was coming home late and missing school. So my mother said, you got to get into a school that lets you do this shit. So she found the school. But I wasn't famous. I was just working on records. I had to audition. And I rapped. And they were like, well, you've never had a rapper. You're in. And the first day I walk into school, and everybody's famous on my, like, you know when you're a kid and you like watching the TV before you go to school, like the lunch like you're, you're like the commercials mm-hmm. and you see the kids mm-hmm. doing like Mikey commercials. All those niggas was in my school. Oh, wow. <laughs> they were all in the lunchroom. Like, I'm like, wow. But they all, all those superstar kids were all fans of rap. Like they loved hip hop and they were like, they loved me because I was like a, a rapper in the, in the school where everybody was going to Juilliard or doing movies. But he said, yeah, he told me Michael Jackson's a G. Like, he smokes cigarettes, drinks beer, like, listens to hip-hop. They get the skies every Friday. No bullshit. I, I believe it. I believe Michael Jackson's a real dude. Yeah. No, I've right. heard stories. He was, he said, yeah. um, I, I was hearing, like, one time, like, somebody was giving him some beats, and it was like, he said something, like, he wanted a beat, but I think it was like, it was a Neptune beat or something, and he was like, "Give him the beat that he wanted the the one that was what was that one uh, like it was what that that one that Noriega liked it. He wanted that yeah. beat. The one he that he the, was he wanted more the Nori type shit, right? Right. He's like, "Nah, give me one of the ones like like you know he was so up on what was going on." Yeah. Yeah, they probably thought he wanted like a a top forty beat, but he wanted like something grinding. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, Mark. I wanted to ask you this: you never know about people. No, yeah. you, you never no. knew. You you never no, know. No, he, he's asking me. Yeah, what'd you say, uh, Mark? I wanted to know. I, cool, Keith. He just he he's an amazing personality. He's interesting. Like I said. It, Top 10, no doubt about it. A genius at what he does. 58 alter egos. Have you thought about potentially getting him a TV show? Because I've seen him on Vice do crazy stuff. And, you know, he, I think he needs to be in the field of, of television as well. What do you think would be best suited Dude, for him? Dude, let me tell you something. It's, it's funny you said that. Like, like, like I told you, like, my the part, the guy that I wrote Ice Loves Coco with, right? Mm-hmm. We've been trying to get Keith a TV show forever. Like, we've been trying to pitch certain things in the shadows. I don't talk to Keith about it, but, because it's got to be right, but I, I think, like, you know, I think Keith needs, like, a real dope, like, he needs a documentary like Kanye, like a mm-hmm. like an introspective of his life, like, from the beginning, and, like, and then it just will butt into all the influence, like, all the groups that he birthed from his style. Like that's really the story, right? It's, it's, 
it's not so much the record sales and all that the normal shit, but it's like if you take Keith out of history, hip hop does not progress. No. Hip hop stays probably like hip hop, like Brooklyn kids. Like I don't think without Ultra Magnetic, the style of rapping and the innovation you might have like a Brooklyn kids rap might have not got to fifty years old. No. So I think that's what makes these guys like, you know, like makes the whole thing like incredible and like, 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 like from what I added on from Yeah. You know, from Octagon and stuff like that, it's it's never been as much. Like if you pull a lot of that work out, like I don't even care. I don't think it's no really a lot of groups that couldn't add full up the space of of what we put into it. Yeah. No. It, it, like I'll tell you a quick story. I'll tell you a really good story. Me, it was it was the it was the day OJ Simpson got was being chased in front of the world. Okay, the same game as the Knicks in Houston. D and D. Yeah, me this we was in New York. We were we was in D and D. Keith was recording, and House of Pain came in Everlast, and it was like, oh shit, Keith. You gotta come with us to our whole. We got a big show at the Palladium tonight. We headline. You gotta come out with us. You gotta yo. So we go back to their hotel. They got a big suite. House of Pain is the hottest group in the world right now. And we watching all of us. Everlast, Lethal, Keith. We're in the hotel room watching OJ live being chased. 1995. I'll never forget it. And then that night, they took us to the Palladium, House of Pain. And I was backstage, and I was standing next to Everlast, and he said, yo, man, that guy Keith, man, if it wasn't for him, I never would be the rapper I was. Like, he inspired all of us. House, you know, fucking House of Pain, Cypress Hill. Like, yo, without Keith, there's no us. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. And then he they, they brought him on stage, you know, during the last song, gave shoulders love, and... I met a girl that night. It was like, I love how I'm saying. Like, but, but yeah, like, that really showed me, like, wow, like, like he said, you have a lot of jealousy in rap, but the, the people that acknowledge them, like, they acknowledge them. And those are the mostly the guys that do, like the M&Ms of the world and that give homage are the most successful, you know? I agree. Right. It's like, uh, it's probably more of um, it's, it's, it's more of the the like you said, Mark said, like the the rock groups pay more homage than more mm. of the rock. Wow, yeah, or, or more of the rock kind of groups, like like the Eminem, the House of Pains, the Cypress. You know, I think in in the urban world, I think a lot of groups feel like. They can snatch something from you and not acknowledge you or steal most of what you do and go in front of Deborah Lee on BET and just lie directly to the public. And Keith, I, I think there needs to be a point where that you do get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't want to hear what Gene Simmons has to say. I couldn't care less. Hip hop belongs in the Rock right. and Roll Hall of Fame, and, and and you could still be a rock star and not make rock music. And, and Cool Keith, you, you are the embodiment of that, and just everything that you've done, you you belong in there. Uh, so needs to get him inducted. I went, I went to 
Well, you know, doing the Warp Tour, so many bands knew who I was, all kinds of bands, underground bands, commercial bands, crossover bands, Market Tell You. And yeah, they, crazy. I went, you know, rock acknowledges me, acknowledges me more than rap does. Wow. That's For a whole nother genre, a whole nother genre. Like you said, we was the outcast. Like yeah. Mark knows, we was the outcast. So I think people liked us, and they was jealous of us at the same time. You know, because we did a lot of we did a lot of accomplishing things. You know, as a group, and 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 we didn't really depend on no. You know, a lot of groups had to combine together and form Voltron. We never did that. You know, we didn't have to do groups together, and you know, we didn't have to do a lot of stuff. A lot of people had to do a lot of, you know what I'm saying? What I mean, like a lot of groups had to combine together, like become one and do an album together and hang together. You know, we didn't do all that. We didn't hang together. We wasn't clicked up to stay with the, okay, you know, we never had nobody to to be together with. Mark, I wanted to touch on this with you. I want to touch on this with Mark, too, because he's here. Welcome to my world. I brought it up earlier. 50 Cent, I, I want to know about the collaboration with you and 50, because this was right around the, the Get Rich or Die trying. Yeah, what what happened with that was um, a friend of mine, um, Omar Keith, was what, that I put on. He, you know, I don't know if you heard of the group, Sarah. Sorry. And um, his, he's a producer. He produced like Frank Ocean and Anderson Pack. He was one of my my younger protégés that, you know, me and Keith took, took care of when he was young. And he started working with Jam Master J. And that people don't know, my group, Raw Breed, Jam Master J was my first manager. Wow. Before he managed my group, Raw Breed, before we, when we got our deal. So, you know, we were, I was over there with, with um Omos and with Jam Master J with the young fifty cent and we you know we had the you know we produce, had the track and Omos said, Yo, I'm gonna put fifty cent on this track. I got a verse and he he did the verse and you know, it was like I didn't you know, I had the record for I had the verse for a long time and then I didn't think they would they would let me use it, but they cleared it and, you know, he even put it on this is fifty. So I was like, wow, but I never did. I never was able to like do a collaboration or like get him to do a video or whatever. But, you know, it was just a weird thing that I was in the right place at the right time and got the verse. And it worked out. And this is 50. Like you said, he put it in that. Yeah, yeah, he he cleared it. So it was like, it was one of those things where, you know, I think it was like, Probably he was in, it was when he was in between deals, like, you know, probably around the time where he was trying to get out of the Columbia deal mm-hmm. and he was doing, it was when he was doing all the mixtapes. So he was doing verses for people, you know, and it was, I got lucky. Yeah, it's definitely a story. Lucky. Yeah. And the record will always be there. It's a part of history. Uh, 